Hello, hello, hello everybody. My name's Luke and welcome to episode 45 of the Naked Student Podcast. So why did we set up this podcast? That's a great question, Luke. The Naked Student offers a stripped back approach to all topics relating to student life, as well as discussing the big questions that face us all during our formative years. Some podcasts can be rather overwhelming to listen to, and thus we aim to cover everything in a relaxed fashion to make these topics more accessible. For young people, by young people. That's pretty good. I, I like that. I divide that myself. Thank you. Um, as always, I have to plug our Instagram at the start, so you can follow us at the naked student underscore. It's the best medium to find us. Uh, every time we pop a new episode, uh, we put a photo with the guests, which will happen after this very episode today. Um, and we do polls and the like to try and engage the audience. So the naked student underscore on Instagram. Uh, we also have a Twitter page, which we use for a slightly different purpose. I'd say we, we like to tweet out articles that lead on from the conversations that we have. You can find us there at TNS underscore podcasts. And that S at the end is so very important because for some reason there are about five TNS podcast handles. So remember that S at the end and you can find us there. Um, and finally... Uh, obviously, if you have an iPhone and you enjoy listening to The Naked Student, then please go to Apple Podcasts and give us a nice rating because it helps us grow in the charts and get our message out to as many people as possible, which is, of course, our aim. So today, episode 45, an episode I've been looking forward to for a long time, an episode we haven't done one for two weeks. So an exciting one. Today, I am joined by Lola. Welcome to the podcast, Lola. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. You took a, what, a two two hour train, was it from yeah. from Nottingham? Yes, yeah, so quite away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, thank you for making the journey. But yeah, it's good. We've got someone to talk about a, a very big topic, a topic that we we wanted to do correctly, and we're going to talk about drug reform today, um, which is yeah a big topic. It's very very topical at the moment, I would say, especially especially amongst the younger generation. So I just wanted to quickly outline what we're going to talk about, just so the listeners uh, can always just keep track of where the conversation is going. So I think in the first half, obviously, a bit of background about yourself um, and how you got into this field more than anything. Uh, Then we're going to talk about Labour's uh, drug policy. Uh, We're going to talk about these shifting political perspectives, the prospects of reform. Is that on the horizon or not? And then we're going to get into the war on drugs, something that everyone sort of knows about without knowing anything about. Uh, so we're going to get into that. Obviously, it's pointless fire. It's everyone's favourite part of, uh, of the show. And then in the second half, we're going to go more into, into the debate over cannabis. Should it be legalised? Uh, and talking about medicinal use, recreational use. So a lot to cover, but I'm very excited for it. Yeah, so am I. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I guess, yeah, to start... Could you give just a little bit of background about about yourself and, and how you got into into this field, yeah? Yeah, so I it was kind of an interesting path, really. I was at, graduated from the University of Leeds last year and I was writing for the Griffin at the time. Um, and I wrote an article on... It was just after the stats for 2017 came out about um, drug deaths in the UK. And it was like the year where drug deaths overtook road accidents and I was like completely baffled by that I was like, oh, like I did not know that I was really shocked and I wrote this article and at the time I was doing some work experience in the office of Alex Sober MP and one of the people in the office read it and he was like oh that's really interesting I actually know someone 
who works for this um, drug policy think tank called Voltfass. Um, if you'd like, would be like to be introduced to her, that would be, you know, I could probably sort that out. I was like, oh, wow, yeah. It was at Labour Conference and she was there. So I got chatting to her and obviously expert in her field. And I was like, I'd love for you to read my article. And she did, and then me being cheeky daft, I was like, could I maybe come and do a little bit of work experience just to kind of learn more about it? Because I was just, like I said, so kind of shocked. Mm -hmm. And I did, um, and that was, you know, great to see all the amazing work Wolfhouse are doing. Like, they've done a lot. They're really kind of a lot of evidence-based research, which Uh is what drug reform needs. You know, Mm -hmm. it needs evidence to prove, because it's, it's all pointing in the direction, but people need to know that it's not just coming from like, oh, legalise it. Like, yeah, it yeah, actually yeah. makes sense yeah, on like a health level. Um, and then from that, I got hired as the Yorkshire ambassador for the Labour campaign for drug policy reform, mm-hmm. which started in 2018. Mm-hmm. And... It's a campaign that was set up by MPs Jeff Smith and Thangham Debonair. And it basically is kind of underpinned by the recognition that, like, the war on drugs, the government's current drug policy is letting down people that Labour set up to represent. So whether it's, you know, children being exploited in county lines operations or yeah. it's BAME people being disproportionately imprisoned for, like, possessing cannabis. Yeah, yeah. Or it's treatment services that are struggling under the weight of austerity. And it was kind of like this isn't right, we need to do something about it. Um, so there isn't, there weren't necessarily policy prescriptions, but it was kind of a citizen's, not like a citizen's assembly, but in the way that, like, we've been to loads of different places across the country, we've set up these talks, they're open to the public, and you can come and share your opinions, and the meetings are basically re- recorded and they're going to be transcribed, and then our expert working group, which is headed by Charlie Falkner, they're going to go through it and kind of create policy recommendations for the front bench. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, that was the idea of the campaign. So, yeah, I did one in York um, and we had a really interesting panel, like a psychologist, academic, MP, um, someone who works in treatment. And there are still some meetings, just going to plug it a little bit. Oh, there are please, still some meetings please, feel free to, in yeah. Belfast, London, Brighton and Norfolk. So if you want to get involved... You know, you can submit contributions if you can't attend or if you can attend, you can find us on Twitter at Labour Drug Ref. We'll, we'll put this in in the description okay, yeah. uh, for the episode just for an, anyone listening. Um, so obviously, because you know, when you hear something, you're always like, I need to remember that. And yeah. then as the conversation goes on. So we'll put all of this in the description. Yeah, it's very yeah. much if, you know, if you want to attend just to hear, you don't have to say anything, mm-hmm. just to kind of learn more about it. Or equally, you know, if you work in treatment or like it's, we want to hear what people have to say. It's not... It's more just like, what shall we do kind of thing. And, and so, that's, that's what I actually really like about it from, from reading it on, on the page yeah. uh, that you have. So like the vagueness of it at first, I was a bit surprised at because mm. usually you, you know, you associate most parties with having a pretty staunch view on it. But I, I like the idea of, of putting it in to the people's hands a lot But it's more. very much like grassroots politics. Yes. Like I'd say it's a perfect example of grassroots politics mm. because it is like, talking to the people who are affected by policy. Mm-hmm. So it's not just, like, people creating policy in Westminster. It's like, you know, you need to hear from the people who it's going to affect. Of course, yeah. It's way more in touch, and hopefully then it, the policy will be way more informed and way more successful. Completely agree. I mean, it's surprising that it, 
you know, the other parties haven't necessarily adopted well, that. Well, actually, to be fair, like, the concert, there is a conservative drug policy reform um, campaign, I think. Right, OK. I yeah. don't know too much about it, but I think it, this should be a cross-party political issue. Completely agree. So, and the, you know, the Lib Dems are actually quite... They were the first party to take the most progressive stance on um, drug policy. Yeah. So I think in 2015, they were talking about, you know, legalisation and moving away from the war on drugs. Wow. So, yeah, it's not just, like, Labour that's move, that's kind of moving. It mm. is more, as it should be, because I think it's just something that, I don't know, yeah, it, it just does cut across the political divide, so it does, really. Yeah. And I think we're going to get into that when we talk about like the issues with, yeah. with the war on drugs. But I suppose from what you've just mentioned and, and, and the the reform that's, that's, that's starting to take place a bit more, what are the prospects of concrete reform happening? Because at the moment, yeah, you know, with, 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 with the government that we have, it doesn't seem to be high up on the agenda. This is just from, from what I've seen. I mean, what, how long do you think well, we're talking before significant change Yeah, happens? so obviously, I mean, we, Labour didn't do very well in the election. Yeah, so don't, don't, don't mention that one. Um, I can't... I mean, how... Because the Labour's manifesto was great. They actually basically committed to a public health approach to drugs, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is completely the bottom line what we need. Has it can't be, be a criminal get. issue. Yeah. So I think that was a good... Because actually their 2017 manifesto didn't say anything really about drug reform and you expect Labour to kind of take more of a stance on this because it's seen as a more progressive party yeah. for like social issues but actually you know interestingly it was the Labour Party in the 1970s that like tabled the Misuse of Drug Drugs Act so that's wow. quite interesting that, that is... it's actually you know so it's kind of surprising and unsurprising but yeah the Conservative manifesto was very vague I think it was just uh -huh. talking about more effective treatment um, so it doesn't really give you a lot at all. Yeah. And then we've had kind of conflicting... So, like, with regards to county lines, it's just basically all they've said is that they're going to... I mean, he did... Boris Johnson did an interview with the BBC and he talked about, like, rolling them up and tying it up and just basically more criminalisation. Yeah. And, like, increase of stop and search powers for the police. That's Well, that's the, you know, the big policy that alarmed me yeah. most is that increase of stop and search, you know, being harder on on criminals. And as you've just said, I mean, this this shouldn't even be treated as a criminal no. issue. So uh, it, it's, we're getting into this, like, mess. It's problematic because, like, you know, baying people, I think it's something like nine times more likely to be stopped and searched. Like, I can't say, like, which... That's just... I, that that's, is... That's so that is scary. quite problematic. But then, on the other hand, Boris Johnson's made... Like, in PMQs, I think it was the first one since the election, someone asked him a question about um, drug consumption rooms and whether he'd kind of allow for the trials, I think. And compared to kind of Theresa May, she was very much, like, staunch war on drugs. Yeah. No kind of change here. He didn't really say no as such. He kind of pointed towards a conference, um, a drug upcoming drug conference. So you, you don't know, you don't really know where they're going with it because on the one hand, you've got law and order, but on the other hand, there seems to be less of a complete commitment to the war on drugs. Well, so it's harder to say. Shifting perspectives at the moment, you know, it's becoming more of a mainstream debate. Mm. And I know we're going to talk more about legalisation in the second mm. half, um, but that, I think... 
the hope would be sort of within the next few years that there is enough pressure put on the government to, to make a change. Yeah. But it just, I don't know, because with, with, with other things that are taking up time, I mean, obviously Brexit was still, yeah. still happening. We have sort of more... I don't want to say more important, but, like, things that are taking up more time. Yeah, it doesn't get as much airtime. Yeah. But, I mean, if you look at the stats, you know, like, over 4,000 people died in 2018 from, like, drug-related um, incidents. And it's, like, that's that's a lot of people. That was yeah. a 16% increase on 2017. Like, that's a... You know, if it was anything else, that would be some serious attention. Of course. And yeah. there isn't. Yeah. So it's kind of, like... Why is nothing The happening? shift is coming, I think. And also, interestingly, I read a piece um, by the director of VaultFast. She was talking about prospects for, um, you know, reform under Boris Johnson. And actually kind of, I think, made a good point about, like, these... Because drug policy actually disproportionately affects, like, London death rates are the lowest. They're the highest in the northeast. Right. So it disproportionately affects these kind of Brexit towns. Right. Where Boris Johnson will be keen to keep the vote. You know, mm. a lot of people are dying on the streets in these, you know, not... You might expect that because the drug trade is bigger, maybe in London, but mm. actually le it's less affected. So would it be beneficial for him to do something about that, to keep that vote? Maybe? I don't, like, I don't know. It's a bit quite a bit, I mean, is that even high up on the agenda of these towns? I mean, like you say, it's... I mean, um, I don't know, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a tough one because even though they're disproportionately affected, possibly, do, do enough people in the town actually uh, care themselves i don't know that's a I mean, bit of i think a it's getting harder question. to ignore because more people yeah. are just kind of you know it's not a rarity i live in nottingham mm. and i see a lot of you know you walk through nottingham city center and you do see a lot of people like on the streets clearly like struggling with mm. drug addiction and you know, a lot of people, you see a lot of people on Spice, you know, legal yeah. highs in Nottingham, yeah. and it's like, it's harder to ignore. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the same problem in Manchester. So, it's, you know, if you go to, to Piccadilly Gardens in the morning, that's mm. where I was yesterday, it's very visible mm. now, and this is, this is where you hope that change happens, is when you see it, because a lot of people sort of hear about it, but yeah. then they, because you can't visualise it, because it's not there, you, you almost think it's, it's just a story. It's a, you yeah. know what I mean? And so when you see it more and more, I think that's when it drives people. And you hear statistics. Statistics are so important. When you when you said the, mm. the stat before, it's so mm. alarming to hear numbers rather than, oh, yeah, loads of people are affected by this. You have to... Yeah. That's what you said about that research is so important. Yeah. It's so important um, moving forward. With, the, with, with yeah, it, it, it's really... It is tough to see. Um, and, and I think this, you know, for the, the, the first half, the main topic you know we, we want to focus on is the war on drugs and how it's mm -hmm. failed and the alternatives to the war on drugs that, that I've sort of been reading about for, for quite a long time and listening to you know talks about it it's so interesting but I mean yes yeah, so, so the war on drugs it's it's been going on for I mean it's been the policy oh, for Reagan's poster policy I mean he's the he's yeah. the go-to guy for the war on drugs oh yeah yeah um but yeah it's been I think yeah a long time we've had prohibition, really. I, could you give, like, just a little sort of overview about what it is for for the people who have heard the term but don't actually understand yeah, it? Yeah, uh, well, so basically it's just a prohibition. So, you know, in the same way that in the 1930s alcohol was banned, it's kind of just drugs, mm -hmm. blanket ban on drugs. Obviously we have, like, you know, class A, class mm -hmm. B, but, like, 
basically drugs are illegal. Yeah. And prohibition like pushes together all manner of substances which need to be dealt with, which need very different regulatory systems. So like weed and heroin are like pushed together under this umbrella term of prohibition, but they are obviously very different. So, you know, I've seen some people kind of be like, well, if you think this should be legal, do you also think that should be legal? And it's like, well, that kind of logic rests on them all being lumped, lumped together by prohibition, but they're so different. Cause, yeah, of course. The yeah. same thing isn't going to work to deal with that as it yeah, is to course. deal with a completely different substance because they need different research and a different approach. It's it's crazy. I mean, honestly, yeah. When you say it's so, it's so obvious when you think about it. But I guess people. But what just... to do with it? Because it is complex. Like I'm not saying I would know what to do with it at all. Like it's very complex, and research is still because of prohibition. It's difficult. It's been difficult to conduct research mm-hmm. as well. So like, this is kind of some of. the the issues with a lot of people are struggling to get medicinal cannabis, even though it's technically legal in this country. I know you said you wanted to talk about this a little bit later, so yeah, I don't want to... It's important to touch but like, on it throughout, yeah. Because there's not been a lot of research into the benefits of medicinal cannabis because of prohibition. So, like, people are reluctant to kind of prescribe it because it's like, well, we need robust data. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of it's, like, anecdotal at the moment yeah. or kind of... Emotive. We've had like some high-profile cases, like Billy Caldwell, and uh, so it's kind of like there are some of the. I don't know. It, it is very complex, and like it's not, you know, just as simple as going like, well, let's just like legalize it all because well, we need an informed policy. Yeah, of course. But um, I, I, I guess the element, and I know we spoke about this before we came on air, but the element that I just can't quite get my head around I just cannot fathom it as in like why would you punish someone further yeah. when they're already and I you know I say this with 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 you know your class A's and it's a heroin for example is a okay. you know, it's an extreme drug so why would you punish someone further who is essentially in many ways punishing themselves in the sense of um you know they're, they're trying to escape from from a reality that in in many cases can be quite difficult so you know sending someone to prison giving them a, a criminal record in many cases cutting them off from getting back into the legal economy once you have that on your record. So why has that been allowed to happen for so long? You're not trying to help people um, Mm. as we talk about public health issue. We're trying to make it even worse. We're exacerbating issues that, you know, I don't want to paint it with a brush, obviously, but in many cases. It's kind of like some um, study came out the other day that basically shows that the proportion of UK prisoners who develop drug problems while in prison has risen from 8 to 15% in five years. I think this was... There was an article in The Guardian. So it's like, you know, that just kind of demonstrates that prison doesn't make drug problems better. No. If anything. No, really. You know, it, so criminalisation, that is why it was great to see Labour move to kind of this public health approach yeah. because that is really important I think yeah, you know yeah. it does need to be treated as a public health issue a complete I mean completely because also it, you know these we talk about kind of when people are convicted for like low le- low level kind of drug offences and then it's very and it's you know certain people are more likely to be convicted than others you know we've got this weird kind of state of limbo where people in positions of authority can go into the media and talk about having like smoked cannabis or like you know we saw Rory Stewart and his campaign talking about like I can't remember what it was 
some like opioid or yeah. something. And they can say that, but then kids, you know, in maybe less well-off constituencies can be arrested on like low-level cannabis charges. And then that can affect the trajectory of your life. Like yeah. if you have that charge, it's then very difficult to get back into the legal economy. Exactly. So it's kind of like we've got this weird state of like the law affects some people and it doesn't affect others, mm-hmm. which is obviously inherently unfair and it's just, just yeah. creates, uh, you know, un- because then if these people can't get into the legal economy and the drug market is so lucrative, well, you know, it's not surprising that people turn, will then... Turn back. I mean, like, it, it, again, like, you know, when we're just talking about it out loud, it mm. is baffling to... <laughs> something isn't really being done about it. But I just also want to move on to this other element. You mentioned it before, county lines. Yeah. So this is another failure in the war on drugs in the sense of these bigger operations in cities are moving towards coastal towns, provincial towns, and they're expanding their, their, their reach, let's say. They bring in vulnerable kids often that are targeted and you know they're they're made to be a part of their operation Mm. Uh, i suppose you know could you expand a little bit i mean i I was fascinated by by the county lines thing because i literally thought when you said county lines the first time i was like what do you mean like the actual divisions between counties i was like what but it's it's something that isn't really on the news ever i mean i saw something that was a there was like a big bust in Swindon yesterday um, when they, they they clamped down on this activity but it happens a lot well, it's a big it's a big market and it has kind of i think completely run away from you know the law like it's out of the remits of it's it's too big really mm. for the police to deal with i think i mean like it's kind of getting a lot of attention at the moment like i said boris johnson mentioned it i think pretty patel's made a few comments about it because it is kind of like a system based on like the exploitation of like children like sometimes really young children yeah. um and yeah kind of like people from inner cities like taking drugs to coastal towns and so it is but yeah i think i don't know like it is it's very sad yeah, it's, and it's, it's, it's it can't tragic. be pleased like you said there are busts but if you bust something else is going to pop up yeah, because it's a lucrative market so like it's not like we can just keep you know this whole thing about just criminalization and clamping down well mm. like we know that doesn't work I think I think we we need to kind of if it's like a more regulated market, then maybe if you kind of take away some of the criminalization from it, maybe it would be easier to deal with. Yeah. Um, and it's, been, it's about like so long. education. It's also you know because I think County Lines has developed. I was listening to a podcast actually about it, and it was talking about you know some of the conditions that kids are now working in are way more comfortable uh-huh. you know they're getting paid better money yeah, yeah. they're being given like mcdonald's for lunch and yeah, like yeah. it's kind of like when if these kids maybe come from places where there aren't opportunities and then you're being offered this well that is also harder to deal with because maybe it's it's not like you're trying to take them away from a really horrible situation because to some people that may definitely be the best option Mm -hmm. so it is very difficult to deal with and i just yeah the criminalization thing i just don't think it's working what i find yeah insane about so we've given the war on drugs 
a long time. As in, yeah. like, if it had been, like, two years and it'd be hard to see, really make a... You'd be making a snap judgment about yeah. something. It's been going on for so long, too long. Mm. And what I find insane is, like, obviously you want to clamp down on the amount of drugs in circulation. That's, like, mm. a, a big part um, of it all. And if they can't even keep drugs out of prison, which mm. is heavily guarded, you know, you're not allowed out, you're not allowed in... How are they supposed to keep it out of society? This is the thing. So they they can't even do it in a place where it should be impossible. So you should apply that and realise, like, okay, this is completely wrong. The very foundations of this policy is incorrect. Yeah. But it just feels like no one... No, has anyone come out and said that? Very much. I mean, like, it's definitely... I think in the past year, like, the conversation has definitely moved significantly in, like, this... In the right direction... Like, quite a few, you know, David Lammy's come out and, like, standing for more kind of um, progressive policy. And there is movement in this area, so that's good. And I think it is because, you know, deaths are rising at such a significant rate. Um, Because it's so complex and it's, you know, there's the side, there's, like, things like medicinal cannabis. And I think that was maybe the first brick in the wall, Mm -hmm. even though it's still quite problematic. Mm -hmm. Um. So we are seeing, and also globally, you know, Canada in um, 2017, they were the first G7 country to legalise recreational cannabis. Mm -hmm. So globally, there is kind of a shift. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think we'll see more of that, but it is slow. It's a slow process. It's a slow process, yeah. I want to talk more about government regulation in the the second half of this, but I, I, I just wanted to sort of tell the listeners about a, a, another model that's been used mm-hmm. for um, what we've been talking about, and this is more of a public health approach. So Portugal, um, which is, honestly, I, I urge people to go and read more yeah, about trailblazers. this. It's incredible. So 1% of the population was addicted to heroin. 1%. That is, I just, honestly, that is crazy numbers. So obviously they used to have these like draconian measures. They used to punish them severely. And they they basically brought this together, this whole team of scientists, politicians, what can we do? We have a serious epidemic. So what did they do? They decriminalised all drugs. And all the money that was, it was sort of spent on disconnecting them, so a lot of prison money that was spent, was instead spent on rehabilitation, reconnecting with society. So what did they do? They set up residential rehab programs they 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 set up so the one that i love is micro loans to addicts to set up small businesses uh-huh. and then they also did so job creation as well so what they did was they paid half the wages of employees so they they said to companies you take this employee on and we'll pay pay half the wages to try and get that connection to society so we said obviously we almost exacerbate the issues by cutting them off so this is the polar opposite mm public perception of this at the time was like what the hell is going on you're just gonna decriminalize all all drugs sort of over over a fortnight i mean it was like in 2000 i think it was like a long time ago that they took this stance but then it it works so the british journal of of criminology stated that injection of drugs was down by 50 percent over 15 years Mm. and this this is the other thing you know with 15 years this is where we should be looking as a country as that that change, that generational shift, I want to say, is you can't just make a policy and all issues are going to go away. It's yeah. got to be a long-term mm. view that's got to be implicated as soon as possible. Because, um, Like I said, because it's complex, it's not something you can just kind of... I mean, like, it's good the Portuguese model worked for them, but we need to find out what would work for the UK. Completely. And this takes proper research, a proper look at the system, 
what I, you know because like even talking about cannabis like even talking about recreational cannabis like it's not just like something that's simple and it's not easy if we've got such a big black market for it to be successful you need to kind of be able to take control from the black market and that in itself is it's not going to be necessarily easy so it is about doing it properly and like mm-hmm. from an informed perspective but yeah portugal like they are definitely such a good example to look towards i mean it's like i think the drug-induced death rate is something like five times lower than european average so like it, it's you know just based on that alone it shows that it did work especially if you say the heroin i mean use was as high as it was yeah i mean one percent of the population is insane but it i think you're completely right it's picking and choosing things that you know, have been used and then you know Switzerland as well they have this huge it's called HAT so like heroin assisted treatment I think that happens in the UK or I think it, uh, somewhere like in Durham they've asked for uh, it to be looked into a lot more mm. so obviously it's medically um, mm. you're observed um, like drug consumption really yeah so it's 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 cleaner you know the, the quality is so much better I know we're going to talk about that again with regulation a bit more in the second mm-hmm. half but there are so many amazing initiatives but, and I happening I think with the Portuguese model as well like if you you know stigma there is if you take away stigma because drug use is still quite like i think different like i said like we have inter- like some kind of drug use it's like cool fine to talk about it in the media and if you're a politician you're kind of like down with the kids but then also it's like really frowned upon like you know an addiction to another form of drug when you see people on the street it's like frowned upon as this massive stigma mm. so we've got this kind of not it's not one or the other it's kind of both but it applies to different people in different yeah. positions in society but if you in Portugal like there is less of a stigma so I suppose people are more prone to seek out treatment mm-hmm. in a society that's maybe more understanding yeah 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 and like are we understanding I don't I right. don't know but it's no different to alcohol I know again we, it, it, it baffles me people are like uh, drugs and alcohol but alcohol is you know it, it is a drug in many mm. in many respects I mean that's it's just because it's legal it has little to no stigma all right if you you know you drink a lot then maybe people start to, to question it but if you you know it it's just that the attitude is completely different you would never mm. uh, stigmatize someone necessarily like if, if someone was going through an alcohol problem i don't mm. think you'd necessarily stigmatize them i think you'd try and help them mm. and so that same idea happens if you decriminalize um you know drugs over time to attitudes change to suddenly you're like hey look do you, you know do you, mm. do you need help rather than as i said like these these draconian measures and i guess if if you know the portuguese model is is quite radical and if that's too much for the country even the idea of a more humane prison system is something that so um you know i'm fascinated by this in scandinavia in norway they have these humane mm. prison systems so rather than here's your cell you know, you have a small window. I mean, maybe I'm just thinking of prison break, but, <laughs> but that's my idea of it. But what they do is they they sort of make it like life. So you have like a, a, a quite a nice room. Right. You learn how to, to cook. You do all these activities. You're a part of, okay, it's, it's, it's a society within a society, but it's still connection. Mm. That's slightly less radical because it's still technically prison. So if, you know, the country is like, whoa, I don't I mean, want to decriminalise everything. This is the thing about drug of you know drug policy it touches on it's such a big like i feel like i keep laboring this point but it is such a big thing it touches on like a lot of things Mm -hmm. and it does need a multi-agency approach like it needs 
it's not because right now we deal with it kind of in a purely criminal sense. I mean, yeah. obviously there is treatment, there is drug treatment you can access in this country, but it is difficult because it overlaps with criminalization. And but you know, we need an approach that kind of fuses. I'm not saying because obviously, obviously we do. You know, in Portugal, it's not like drugs are legal to the sense that someone could go and just start. I think there's like a certain amount that's classed as supply that's okay. Uh-huh. And so obviously the criminal element's never going to go away, really, I don't think. But we need to include health and psychology. And uh-huh. so this is why it is so big. So, yeah, you kind of you start talking about it and then you, you talk about prisons and you're talking about knife crime. And it is quite, like, all-encapsulating, really. Even, even that point about... Um, race that you mentioned before about baying people mm. a bit nine times you said i think that's what it is yeah, yeah but, don't but, quote me but i think that's what it is two times more likely yeah. it's horrific you know with something like that so it's a, it's a whole host of things that, mm. that are touched upon and that's why you know this conversation that we're having right now is so important and it's why we wanted to go about it in the right way I yeah because again that's that's important that you don't because it can be undermined and i don't yeah. think you want to undermine yeah. i think i don't know it's it's a conversation needs to happen and it's but it like i said evidence-based and it's not just like people going around like yeah legalize it like no like there are proper arguments and proper conversations that need to be having proper like research that needs to be done and it's not just something that's like trivial and that we can just kind of talk about flippantly because it's not no it's not at all so yeah you're definitely right there one other really cool thing just to to (laughs) sort of round off this first half so this is just this is because I found it again quite fascinating. So, yeah. a guy called Professor Bruce Alexander, he worked at, um, in Vancouver, I think, okay. at the university. So he created um, this experiment called Rat Park. I don't know if you've yeah, heard of it. Yeah, I have heard of it. It's Park. incredible. So basically, all these tests that scientists used to do, you know, I say back back in the day, mm-hmm. and they used to have this uh, drug water and normal water and put a rat in a cage. And the, the rat would always go for the drug water. Mm-hmm. And they'd, they'd OD and they'd die. So he looked at this experiment and he was like, hmm, a single rat in a cage by themselves. And he revamped it completely. So he turned rat park, it was like a rat heaven, you know. You could just go and have sex with all these other rats and you could, you know, it was just a big community for rats. It was incredible. Um, And they had the drug water and they had the normal water. And there were zero ODs. People just didn't go near... Rat people. people. The rat people. <laughs> the rats. The rats didn't go uh, near the, the, the drug water mm. because they had these happy, connected lives. They were mm. in a community. And I just found that incredible mm, because that should be at the, at the forefront. You can apply that to to us. And, mm. yeah, I just thought that was be... That, uh, you know, I wanted people to hear that and go and look at it themselves. Yeah, These really interesting cool things to look into. happening. Um, but it's like there's some great research going on right now I mean the other day I actually saw I think I saw on Twitter um, there's been some research into a cannabinoid and basically found that um, sorry I'm just trying to remember found that like it can be used to treat really effective against like hospital superbugs and it can be used to fight like what is it like MRSA the like leading hospital superbug and it's like you know, like this um, bacteria that becomes resistant. Mm-hmm. And there's research that suggests that, like, 
Santana boys can fight that. Like, that's wow. so significant. Like, that so is. many people die from hospital superbugs. And it's like, so we don't know all the potential oh my God, yeah. things that can come from. So that's like exciting. Very that, exciting. Like, people are doing this kind of stuff, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I want to get into this um, a lot more with regards to that. But just, just as like a, I just want to do a brief recap of what we've spoken about because we've, we've touched on a lot of stuff. But yeah. Basically, the, the war on drugs isn't working, it's an archaic view of, mm. of this issue and we, I want to keep ramming home this phrase it's not a criminal justice issue it is a public health issue and that is how we need to reframe this debate mm-hmm. moving forwards and you know it's important to have an opinion on this mm. I do think that don't just be like ah oh, well you know both sides you know you have to have an opinion on this matter and so I just yeah I just really wanted to ram that home for the people yeah. listening that is how we should be framing the debate but before we get on to talking about the stuff we mentioned with, with cannabis, medical cannabis, uh, recreational use as well, we always break up the conversation. Yeah. With a, and I do sing, by the way, pointless fact of the day. We've actually got uh, another friend in on the podcast and she's uh, she's laughing at my, my singing attempts. So um, I actually think I'm quite good. Thank you very much. Uh, but yeah, we always do a pointless fact just to break it up because obviously, you know, it's a yeah. heavy conversation. It's a yeah, big topic. It's definitely. been amazing so far. But we like, you know, listeners like to switch off. Here's some zany, mm-hmm. irreverent facts. So do you want to go first or shall I? Um, you go first, okay. your podcast. So I always do interactive questions okay. i mean i don't expect you to get it right that's why i just love oh, so stupid... this is actually both of us your fact <laughs> is a two-way thing right yeah so um this was in an article i read recently in the economist just thought i'd plug that um so how many starbucks do you think there are in china Ooh, it's a good one it's a good it one. is a good one yeah uh... I I'm literally have no idea. You know, you know when you have the answer in front of you, you're always like, oh, I can't believe you didn't get it. But like, I would never have guessed this, really. I can't even guess. Because like, it's the type of question you get asked in an interview. I feel like people always come back with these. In an interview? <laughs> yeah, like people have to, like, um, I, I hear these stories of... interviews. No, genuinely. So one of the questions I've heard was, um, how much uh, um, is, um, money is meant, uh, <laughs> money is made each year from uh, wine sold in supermarkets. That someone got asked that on the spot in an interview, and you have to like say like right. So how many families? Apply how many logic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously I wasn't expecting you to do that with this question, but genuinely people just get asked these. Like, okay, well there are a lot things. of people. I know China's got a big old population. Huge, yeah. But so, I don't think that'll help you with this answer. Oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because I was thinking the kind of like that. Political system and yeah. the... There's a whole host of factors that go Starbucks into Starbucks is pretty... Cat- I don't know. Oh, yeah, it's pretty Western. Pretty, it's a pretty Western, Western yeah. Um, I'll just tell you. Yeah, Because it, it's, um, it's hard. So 3,300 stores, approximately. Is that it? Yeah. It's not a lot. It's probably was, that many in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to guess, like... I would have guessed, like, 100,000, 200,000, maybe. But I think it's still a relatively new... Mm. development because as you said it's this western thing they're like yeah oh, starbucks so 3300 there is my really pointless fact which probably wow. no one will remember so there you go um do you have okay pointless yeah i do i have to admit when you when i heard about the pointless fact i was like oh do i know any so i <laughs> pulled in the uh, mates yeah 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 and i found out that pope francis was actually a Bouncer in a nightclub is Buenos Aires in his youth. No way. Which is quite quite really? interesting, yeah. That's Apparently. Class. 
That's class. If true, you know what though? Like I said, I pulled in a mate. So if it turns out it's false, not my fault. Yeah, we'll we'll put their name yeah. on if it's false, yeah, and then yeah, they can get yeah. the just so just uh, so just so everyone knows. I, I think a few people have come on and just made it up on the spot. Well, so. it's not that bad. <laughs> I didn't do that. Badly. I hope it's I hope it's completely true because that is great. It's, it would be cool if it was true. That is a good one. Yeah, and I mean they are both very pointless, which yeah. I like. So that concludes pointless fact of the. Day. Usually I have someone else who can sing with me, so it's not just uh, me singing in front of a minor audience. Um, but yeah, so we always do that just to, to, to break up. But as we've mentioned throughout this episode, we want to talk about um, cannabis and the, the, the debates surrounding its legalisation. It's a tricky issue. As mm-hmm. you mentioned, it's quite complex. Mm. So medicinal use of cannabis, you said, is already... Uh, is, did you say it's been legalised? So is... in November 2018... Right, OK. ...it was technically legalised okay. in the UK. Um, yeah, after a couple of high-profile profile cases. So there was Billy Caldwell, who... He has epilepsy, I right. think, in seizures. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, seizures, I think. And he, his mum had, like been to Canada and bought some cannabis oil or something right. and it got confiscated at Heathrow I think um, or when she was coming back into the UK so that was one of the high profile cases and yeah in November 2018 Savage Javid he basically they quickly pushed I think they quickly pushed through this kind of reform mm-hmm. which at the time was hailed as like wow this is like a massive step and like this is like a big deal like campaigners like really were really happy about this but it's not proved as kind of fruitful mm-hmm. as i think people hoped like it's still very difficult to um access medicinal cannabis in the uk i think like i, th- I saw something the other day i'm not sure exactly how many people have managed to get hold of it but it's like well under the thousand mark like it's no, no. and like i think even still billy caldwell even though he was like a high profile case i think he's still struggling to get it can't get it on the nhs like his mum this week called for a dutch style approach in the uk so yeah it's problematic and partly that is because of like i was talking about lack of robust data mm-hmm. so because there's like I said, it's anecdotal. So we've seen that it can be really helpful. You know, can, cannabinoids can be really helpful for things like epilepsy and MS. Yes. And and we've seen that that can be really helpful, but there's not many massive studies have been conducted no. into it. So I think doctors are very kind of... I think people... You know, I've read some articles um, and people have saying that you're kind of made to try everything else under the sun. So, you know, these opo- opioids and before because there's just more research into it yeah, yeah, yeah um so yeah it's still very difficult and people are still kind of fighting these tireless battles to get the medication they need and mm. really i think the only way you can get it is privately but obviously right. that's very expensive that's, yeah. so it depends if you can afford it and then even still it's difficult with like bringing it into the country so yeah it's a shame for people that are you know rely on this to really improve their lives and and that there's nothing and it's kind do. of high hopes yeah and it's maybe not been as successful as it should have been so another um thing that i've read about with it is i, I always pronounce it incorrectly. it's like cannab 
a doyle cannabinoids yeah is that, like, is that, I, I think yeah some like yeah, so THC I always and CBD yes and, so yeah, yeah so with anxiety a lot of stuff has been um sort of recently especially of like how it treats anxiety um yeah and this is it's obviously relatively new but it has been shown that this part of of, of cannabis is a lot healthier and it can it can be used to actually treat right. uh, issue you know mental health issues i mean it's this is the thing it's diff like i think with when we're talking about cannabis, we need to be really careful to... Because there is a line between recreational and medicinal and is a definite line and they need to be dealt with in very different ways. And because a lot of people do self-medicate for various things, so it's kind of hard to say... Do you know what I mean? Because you don't want to say that... Some, but there are some... Because anxiety is obviously a health issue and, like, a mental health issue, but then there are also these, like, more physical health issues. So it's kind of... Yeah, there's a... There's that's a, a distinction, and course, it's just... Yeah. Maybe needs to be clear sometimes, but, clear, like, yeah. who sets that, I don't know. But, I mean, there's, like, a study the other day that came out um, about how many people are self-medicating mm. with cannabis in the UK, and it's quite shocking. It's 1.4 million people... Uh, so this is for things like epilepsy. I think there are a range of things. Maybe there were, maybe it was, I'm not entirely sure if it included things like anxiety and depression. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, 1.4 million people. And I think it was an average spend of £163 a month. Mm-hmm. That's 2.6 billion going to the black market annually. That's I mean, crazy. like, that's shocking. Oh God, that a yeah. lot of these people should, you know, technically be able to get it mm-hmm. legally but they yeah. can't so they're forced to rely on the black market yeah. so it's quite i mean you know there you're like well it's legal and yet these people are turning to the black market and that's when you can get stuff that can be well, yeah can difficult be, you, know, you don't know questionable i mean yeah you don't know what you're getting it's mm. kind of like a potluck i guess yeah yeah, yeah. which is which is dangerous. Yeah, about yeah. It. I mean, it, and that's where you can talk about recreational cannabis too. Because if we talk specifically about recreational, you know, people buying cannabis, you know, kids buying cannabis, there have been studies to show that potency is increasing in street cannabis. And so, like, we're talking about cannabinoids. THC is generally the one that people is more associated with things like psychosis and yeah. paranoia. Yeah. And CBD is generally thought to be the one that nullifies those effects yeah. slightly more but i think potency of thc is rising it is um so and that's where it's like so you don't really know what you're buying yeah. and then it kind of seems to becoming maybe more dangerous but that's because of a lack of regulation so if we could regulate then it could be made safer. You could have so- softer strains as well, rather than, as you were saying, it's getting um, an increasing mm. strength. You could have... Well, I, I want to link it again to alcohol, just because, like, obviously alcohol, you have this age limit, don't you? So in, yes. in a shop, because um, it's regulated, so, you know, a kid yes. rarely could be able to go in and just yeah. buy yeah. alcohol. And, like, would that be a viable oh, Definitely the same. For, for, I do not think it should be. I mean, 18 should be the age. 18, yeah. yeah. So, but that could be a viable An option. An adult, regulated uh, adult market. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And so that's not radical, I don't think, to say that? Or is it no, perceived no, 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 as no, no, radical? No, 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 Well... Just because the, the stigma that like surrounds I, I mean, it. like I said, um, perception is definitely shifting. I mean... Uh, 
Um, I think it's something like now the general public are like twice. This is recreational specifically because it's different from medicinal recreational. Um, but the general public is almost like twice as likely to support the legalization of cannabis in the UK than they are to oppose it. Right. Um, so I think, according to a YouGov survey, I think it was like there's been like a 37 percent increase in support since May 2018 or something. And so like, that's a lot. That's like a a lot of so yeah, more yeah. than you know two thirds ish are yeah. more than likely to support it. So that's quite significant. Um, and like 65% of people approximately, I think, think that cannabis laws should be reformed. Yeah. So that's not all. Some people support legalisation, some people call for decriminalisation. So yeah. there is a difference yeah. there. But it shows that we're changing, I think, what we're thinking a little bit. Which is which is a positive thing. Mm. I just find it interesting, you know, when people talk about the, the negative effects of we which 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 some people can, yeah, yeah. can suffer from. But this is a this is a small proportion of people, you know, according to the stats it was something like under under ten percent or Well it is, but then I think we've got to, when you're talking about we've got to be careful because sometimes it's like maybe some people are like, well it's comp- because it's all subjective. So some people might, based on an experience or what, you know, oh, it's completely safe, it should be legal. And some people are like, no, it's very dangerous. Well, it, you know, kind of both the right and neither are right. Neither are it kind of it. depends. And it's, but like I said, if potency is increasing, it's kind of more likely that the effects will be, we'll see more negative effects. Yeah, yeah. But of then course. it seems to kind of hinder the case to kind of, change the laws around it yeah. because it's like because you see these worst worst effects happening but yeah maybe increasing but then if we could regulate yeah and create a safer market exactly then we'd see less of this negative well the, hopefully the, i suppose there are two things that so i want to say with that so basically in the 1930s with prohibition in america yeah so alcohol was obviously banned people turned towards moonshine they made their own alcohol and it became incredibly yeah. dangerous i think there was like a gin craze where everyone made their own gin it was it was awful it was so bad for you because it was black market stuff mm. it, that's what people did and it's the same principle with this as well mm. so al- i mean alcohol now you know the, the amount of people who are affected by alcohol is 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 large. I mean, from the stats that I read before, something like um, I think seven seven in 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 the UK in twenty eighteen there were seven thousand five hundred and fifty one alcohol specific deaths. Mm. Okay, so like it's not we see we t- we just we seem to forget mm. that alcohol still creates these huge issues anyway. Yeah. Even though it's legal, and no one would be clamouring to be like we need to ban alcohol tomorrow. No, no one would do that. So it's the same principle. And that's why it's important that people just just sort of shift that perspective just to be open but this is where the, the importance of research comes in because yeah. we can't just expect you know you've been told that this is illegal because it's dangerous or because it contributes to crime and you've been perceptions aren't just going to shift because like they sh- you, you know they're going to shift because evidence points them in the direction yeah, that demonstrates they should shift of course so this is why like like i said you know with people looking into the benefits of medicinal cannabis. I think right now that is actually like the biggest study in Europe going on. I think it's like 20,000 people or something. Wow. Wow. Um, so things like this are really important because if we, if there is this robust data there, then, you know, you can actually demonstrate that there are benefits. And also we can look at the dangers. What are the dangers? Well, the, it's important to, to, to mention that as well. There are obviously so negative effects. Yeah. 
but it's just it's just something that needs to be uh, you know more at the forefront of people's minds when mm. they're coming into this debate in the first. But place. I would say is I think the debate you know a mature debate is really emerging. Um, mm. You know, in the the Evening Standard last year launched something called the Cannabis Debate as a result of work by Voltfast, and that was like the front wow. cover of their newspaper. You know, that's big. Like that's the huge. cannabis to be on the front page of, of, of a, a mature. You know, adult debate about cannabis, that's like a big shift, I think. You know, you definitely wouldn't have seen that a couple of years ago. Mm. So... It, that's a positive, yeah, definitely. Even though, it, even though we're saying it's a bit slow, it's, there's, there is progress. Yeah, and that's yeah. Better than and maybe it, at nothing. least it's better to take it so, so we do it right, so we do it properly, mm-hmm. as opposed to... Because you just can't... Because it is such a big change, we are... We need to do it properly. We Rather need like to do it from an informed attempt. You mean, yeah, yeah. So maybe like obviously, it's frustrating. You know that some things take so many time, especially when you look at moving away from cannabis. When you look at more serious drugs and you look at drug deaths, maybe. But like, if we're gonna going back to cannabis, if we're gonna do it properly and it's gonna work, whatever change needs to be, it needs to be thought through. So maybe like the it. pace. I like it. While frustrating is. Could be beneficial in the no, long that was, run. That I don't was know. Silver well lining. Said. That was yeah. very well said, yeah. Um, final point that I just also want to... Again, I want to just ram home a couple of things. And this yes. is the idea of regulation. So government regulation in this field could yeah. be incredibly beneficial. So we, we've spoken about how there are issues with the, the quality of drug that people are getting on mm-hmm. the black market. Again, if the government get involved, much like uh, I mentioned in, in, in Switzerland, they have the uh, HAT program, so heroin-assisted treatment. Mm-hmm. So... They know the, the the quality. They know how much is being given. They can monitor that. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, obviously, that is a, a, you know a more extreme drug, but that can be applied to. Um, this so is I an mean, argument, obviously, that yeah. you can, it can be applied to. Um, you know, all sort of. Uh, I mean, conversations would so yeah, drugs. like with cannabis, conversations would need to happen about regulation and potency. And I don't know. You know, I'm not going to claim to be an expert at all. I don't know where you'd start the conversation or what I mean obviously it would have to be evidence based but that would have to be an important conversation that would have to happen with people who know their stuff and it is but yeah regulation is definitely kind of the base yeah and I think but it's so easy to get access anyway oh yeah I mean that's the thing it's not like it's going to change anything this is the thing I mean to you know any town, any city, anywhere, it's not it's difficult. There. It's there. Yeah. That's um, what I mean. It's kind of there in plain sight, which is it's a weird one because, you know, you can go to the shop and you can buy, you know, paraphernalia. Mm. Now, that's legal, but, mm. well, why, why is that on sale if what, the, what you're having to buy it for, the substance you're using with it is illegal? So it's kind of there in plain sight. Yeah. And yet... People, and like I said, turn people talk about it, about it like that, but it's crazy. It's just an important thing again, just for people to think about. That's what we, you know, that's yeah. what the aim of all of these pods are. It's not, you know, you need to go away from this, and we want people to go and do their own research. Yeah, get involved. definitely. I mean, as you said, we'll, we'll link. You know, people want to go to these debates and actually yeah. listen in on them more and more. But yeah, with just government intervention, you know, just regulating price, improving the quality of it, controlling and its circulation—they are so important. One thing I would also say. Um, moving away from cannabis more towards treatment there needs to be more investment in treatment yeah. from the government because like you can't really talk about decriminalization without talking about more investment because 
treatment under the weight of austerity treatment services have been cut significantly mm. i mean like i think what was it like in islington it was like you know three million like and that's like all across the country like and because it's considered like a non-essential service mm. You know, local councils are struggling in the wake of austerity. I'm not mm. blaming them. Mm. They have important decisions to make. And it's not transport. And, you know, it's none of these, like, essential services. So it's taken a heavy hit. Yeah. So treatment services are really struggling to provide the treatment that's increasingly necessary. Mm. So when we talk about government intervention with things like, if we're talking more broadly about drugs, there needs to be... And we need... Ring, ring fencing was ended. So it used to be that, like, you couldn't go below a certain percentage for percentage of local government budget had to be put on like treatment and that got taken away so it's become a local issue but like we've been saying it's a national public health issue mm. and financial policies need to match that and government investment needs to match that yeah. so hopefully now that austerity is supposedly over we might hopefully see some more investment in this area we'll, i mean we'll who's, say. who's to say we'll i don't know say. but that is a necessary um like accompaniment. Yeah. If we're going to change the law, we need to do that too. It's a very important point. So I always ask the guest at the end yeah. of the conversation, in a, in, a, in a sort of a very brief way, so sort of in two to three points, what would you say to, to the listeners? In terms of not just summing up, but yeah, where, where could they go from this? If they're really interested in this, we've mentioned a, a debate or two, but how would you, yeah, sort of the, the, the key points that you want people to take away from um, this. I always oh. like to just put them put them on the spot a little bit because it gets gets you to think about yeah. it as well. No, that know? makes sense. I'm a bit of a waffler, so it's quite hard to summarize. <laughs> um, I'd say, well, I mean, I think we've talked about, like you said, the war on drugs is archaic mm-hmm. and it's not working. And I think it's important to kind of take away the facts, you know. Over 4,000 people died last year, mm. 16% increase. That's undeniable you know, people, drug issues in prison increase, that's undeniable. So one thing I would say is that the war on drugs isn't working. It's very difficult to argue against that. Mm -hmm. It is not even, you know, like I said, I'm I'm an ambassador for Labour campaign for drug policy reform, but I don't think that's necessarily political. I think that's just fact. This is the the crazy thing. It shouldn't be like a political stance. You can maybe think that if you don't think, I'm not saying that you have to think it's fact that, we need to legalise or we need to decriminalise, but it's a fact that whatever's happening right now, the consequences... Because it's kind of like who's losing. Yeah. Or the people that are losing. It's not the black market because it's making a lot of money. Yeah. People that are losing are, you know, in various different ways. Some people who are dying from, you know, drug overdoses or people who aren't able to access... Mm. You know, so that's maybe one takeaway. Yeah. If you're interested i'd say there's a lot there's a lot of things online you know a lot of people are doing interesting things i've mentioned vault fast a lot um they've produced some really interesting reports um and again like it's in the papers a lot now yeah, you know yeah, the yeah, guardian's yeah, yeah. done a lot they've spoke to there was an article about someone um who uses cannabis medically um and has had to go privately for it and is talking about that so I'd say just have a Google. Yeah, genuinely And so much just kind of see what you can find. And then also, obviously, I'd say come to one of the Labour Campaign for Drug Policy Reform events. Of course. You know, we do, we've done them across the country. And one thing we're really keen to do is, like, we're not just having them in big, big cities. 
Because yeah, yeah. as the data shows, this isn't just a metropolitan issue no, at national. all. This isn't just a London issue. It's a national issue. It's a national issue. Mm. So I'd say have a look at us online. There's data, uh, not data, sorry, information coming out all the time about what we're doing. Yeah. Our plans for 2020. And like send a submission or yeah. come along. They're free. Um, so they're very accessible. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you can kind of hear a bit more. You know, like I said, it's complex. It's not like... I, I'm, I don't know everything about it. I've got loads to learn. So maybe if you're interested, just come and listen and maybe listen to some of the arguments for change or what yeah. kind of change yeah. could be implemented. Of course. I mean, this this conversation was about opening it up. It's yeah. an important topic, but by no means are we trying to impose any view or anything. No. We're just trying to get people to think that's that's what it's all about is yeah. really being like oh god i've never i've never thought about it like that including myself to be honest yeah. from, from a few months ago and yeah it, it, it's not don't think of it as a political issue i think it's so important this is a cross yeah. you know political spectrum issue mm. it's not like oh my god like that no and obviously like no. you can politicize aspects of it and obviously it will be yeah, everything gets and there's different but yeah. like <laughs> We need to, you know, like the public health approach thing. I think is exactly so necessary. Um, I mean, this honestly, it's been such a such a great conversation. Yeah, Lola. thank you. Thank you for, for coming on, <laughs> making the journey, and making the journey back. I believe pretty yeah, soon. Yeah, back down to Nottingham. Yeah. Oh, Lovely. actually, one thing I would also say I forgot, yes. but this is quite interesting. Um, one of the candidates for the mayor of London, Siobhan Benita, she's mm. looking at doing like a London recreational cannabis pilot. Right. That's one of the things. So maybe look into that if you're in look London. I'll link that I'm in not the saying vote well. for anyone, obviously. Um, no, nope. we don't do that on this don't, show. We don't do that. And I'm not <laughs> saying that on that basis. That's just an interesting thing of that's course. going on. That's what it's all so about. Maybe, that's what I mean. There's just a lot going on in this area, so just have a little read. Completely agree. I mean, I mentioned Portugal, we spoke about Switzerland, look at the US as well. There are so many things. Pretty Rat comprehensive, Park. yeah. Yeah, just go and... and, and and just read. It's so interesting. There's so much to do. But again, Lola, thank you so much for mm. coming on. It's been fascinating. I've learned no, learning um, as well as this has gone along. Um, obviously, you've got all the stats as well on, on lockdown, which I just oh, love. I'm big about the stats. The stats are everything. Like stats. I love it. But <laughs> yeah, I honestly really appreciate it. So thank you. No, thank you. So yeah, for all the listeners, uh, we've got another episode coming out in the next few days where we're going to be talking about the future of work which will be a very interesting debate as well. So um, one of my friends who, who works on a big four, we're going to come in and talk about where, where, where is it going? What are the changes in the culture? Um, so that will be coming out next week. But yeah, we really hope you've enjoyed this chat. Obviously, it's been two weeks since we've been on um, and we, we've been planning this one for, for a while now. So we hope it's got you thinking. And as we said, go and do your own research and we're going to link uh, all the things that Lola's mentioned in the description. So look out for that as well. But yeah, until next time, guys, keep doing what you're doing. See ya.